0: Hey everybody, it's David Van Sluten and Lance Cohorn and welcome to episode 9 of the Station34 Podcast. As I just mentioned, I'm David Van Sluten. And
1: I'm Lance Cohorn.
0: And we are this is the podcast we have created that accompanies the uh, the company Lance owns Ladder 34. We make products out of decommissioned, repurposed fire hose, stuff that's really durable. You can go to ladder34.com and check out all the stuff we have to offer. But as we said, we are both full-time firefighters, so we were very interested in starting a podcast and talking to people from all over the country who come from different types of fire departments, talk to them about the challenges they face, the challenges they may have with recruiting, training, responding, all sorts of different things that they have to go through on a daily basis. So today we have a very special guest. He is a firefighter and an engineer with the Ronx Fire Company in Ronx, Pennsylvania. Please welcome Brian Clark to Station 34. Hi,
2: Brian. Hey, David. Hi, Lance. How are you guys doing this afternoon?
0: Doing well. We are doing very well. Uh, awesome. First of all, let's talk to you about uh, who you are and your career in the fire service. Where did you start? How did you end up at Ronks? Have you always been with Ronks? So so take us through that of, of your your life in the fire service.
2: Wow. Okay. Where should I begin? Um, basically I, I'm a second generation firefighter. Um, uh, my dad's done it for many, many years. Uh, I've had a uncle, um, on my mom's side, he was a member of the exact same firehouse, the Ronx fire company, which I belong and my dad belonged to as well. Um, basically is one of those, what I was, uh, as I was a kid, whatever my dad did, that's kind of what I wanted to do. So, and, uh, As I was younger, he, when he volunteered here at Ronks, you know, of course I want to be like my dad, I want to become a fireman. Um, one of the, one quick story I can remember as a kid, um, one night I can remember this clear as a, clear as a bell. Uh, we were just getting ready to sit down and eat eat dinner. Mom just got done making spaghetti and their fire company got dispatched for a barn fire. Mm -hmm. So just before my dad left, he goes, Hey, Brian, look out the, the kitchen window. So I did, and he goes, you see that big glow. He goes, it looks like the sun, but it's not. He goes, that's where I'm going. And I mean, it was just, the barn was off. It was just a glow in the sky. Um, so,
0: um, so is, is most of that fire department is, is it completely volunteer?
2: Yes, we are 100% volunteer. Okay.
0: And, and, uh, uh, I can tell you, Lance and I love talking to people from volunteer fire companies because, uh, he and I are both full-time firefighters, but what people don't realize is that the building you're running into is just as hot as the building he and I are running into. And, exactly. uh, and you you guys are not getting paid to do it. You guys are doing it for the passion of wanting to serve the community. So,
2: yeah, exactly.
0: So growing up, you saw you, your dad was involved in that and you had, a, you said you had an uncle involved in that. So obviously that was a huge impact on you.
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, it definitely was. Um, unfortunately for me, as time went on, uh, my dad's got my dad got work or my dad got busier at work, um, both him and my uncle. So unfortunately, they both had to leave the company, and and then kind of my passion kind of died out as well. So through my elementary school, junior high years, and early high school years, it just never really occurred to me to become a volunteer firefighter or, or any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, fast forward to my senior year in high school. I'll say the second half of the year, like the late late winter, early springtime. Um, I decided to take up a vo- vo- tech, vocational technical school for some millwork, cabinetry. Took that all day through through the high school. A um, couple of my friends, I started eating lunch with a couple of my friends and their buddies. And the big topic of lunch every day was my fire company's better because my fire company's better because. <laughs> oh, we run less calls. So we have better fire prevention. Well, we run more calls, Well, we have this unit, we have that unit. And I knew two of my buddies were, were volunteers, families, and, you know, multi-generation firefighters. But, and the other two, I never really knew them, but gradually sitting through lunch, got to know, know them pretty well. And so one day out of the blue, the other two guys just stopped talking and I'm just kind of sitting there eating my lunch, being quiet, never really getting into the conversation. And, the one, one of the other guys are like, Brian, I'm like, what? They're like, all right, what's so important about your, de- your department that you don't even want to discuss it? Well, it was simple. I didn't run. So yeah. I had, had <laughs> nothing to say.
3: Right.
2: Well, that was the wrong thing to say because then the conversation at lunchtime was, did you join yet? When are you going to join? If you join, you can do this. When are you joined? You know? Um, so they kind of beat it into my brain and um, luckily enough, my parents were always very supportive of what I want to do. So one day I came home and talked to them and I said, Hey, if I want to do this, you know, where's the first place I should go. Cause you know, I talked to my dad over and over about it and sure enough, they led me back here to Ronks where, uh, my dad volunteered, my uncle volunteered. And so I decided to join figured I, I really didn't know what I want to do with my life after high school. Um, I knew I wasn't college material. I didn't play sports. I was kind of just one of those quiet kids who sat in the back of class. Mm -hmm. Um, so I figured, all right, I'll, I'll join the firehouse. I'll get these guys off my back, you know, get through graduation, get through the summer and then come the fall, you know, obviously it probably won't be for me anyway. So I'll quit and never have to see these guys again. Right. Well, fast forward 27, 28 (laughs) years later. Right um here i am still volunteering at rocks i actually got my dad he's he's on basically the same pace as i am again at the firehouse 27 28 years yeah. uh he's more of a he's more of a fire policeman now because of his age and just he's a little too old to go inside but he he loves being out doing traffic details and things like that yeah um even my same uncle i actually had him back involved <laughs> there for a number number of years again so it was nice to have the whole family back together again, doing what we love.
0: Right. Well, I think that's a pretty common story. I know that's part of my story too. And I think maybe Lance a little bit too, is when I joined just, you know, I've only been in the fire service for four years now, but when I first joined, um, it was one of those things where I think, well, I think I'm going to like this. And then you get in there and you're like, I love this. So, yeah. so that sounds, you know, similar to what you're, you're talking about that. You just kind of almost did it out of peer pressure to get a couple of buddies to stop ribbing you and then all of a sudden you know boom you're
2: oh, oh yeah i mean years. yeah yeah the the number of committees i've been in, involved with here at the firehouse <laughs> i've um Get brian I've been on cons- yeah yeah let, let brian do that i've been yeah. the pierce twice uh okay. seagrave once yeah you know i you know just some of the stuff i've done some of the on um, you know some of the things i've seen unfortunately bad things but yeah. Some of the good stuff we also can do here in the firehouse too. Oh, yeah. just watching the kids, watching the kids as we get on calls, waving, yep. standing outside their front yards.
0: Yep. Always give them a little toot of the air horn as you go by. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So describe for us the area that you cover. The it's Now, I looked on the map. Bronx is kind of in the southeastern corner of Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. um, and uh, it's in Lancaster County. Is that correct?
2: Correct. So des- yep.
0: describe the area that you're covering.
2: Um, our first due coverage area is kind of a little bit of everything. We a lot of a lot of it's farmland, um, obviously because of the Amish, um, but we do have the residential areas. Uh, we have mercantile. We've got a couple big shopping centers in our first due. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got uh, it's a, I it's it's actually called American Music Theater. They hold like all kinds of music productions, concerts. Um, things like that. So we, I think we have our total running first year running areas, five to six, maybe square miles. Okay. Um, but a lot of it's, like I said, farmland, commercial residential. Okay.
0: So you're doing, obviously, uh, you're relying on things. I'm, I'm assuming you guys have at least one tender in your, in your, in your force. And then (laughs) what's (laughs)
3: a,
2: No. Oh, I, I love it. No, I love the uh, we always got to do the common the terminology. You know, yeah. you guys say tenders, we say tankers out okay. here in Lancaster County. <laughs> um, actually, actually, my department is um, the heavy rescue engine engine company, and then we have two mini u- um utility units. We call them squads out here in Lancaster. Okay. Um, the next two, a uh, couple of our next two areas, there they are multi tankers. Okay. Um, the multi engines, things like that. But part of I'll say. Some of our area is hydrogen and some of it isn't. So okay. it just kind of depends on what where the area is and depend upon what's coming on our first two calls.
0: And I just want to explain for people who are listening, uh, we we are getting a lot of listeners who are not in the fire service. So people who know when we talk about either a tender or a tanker, that is basically a, a, an apparatus that's carrying two, three, four thousand gallons of water because we're, you're you're responding to areas where they're not hydrants. There may not be a close water source. So you, that's, that's how you bring water.
2: Right. So. Right. I mean, we're fortunate up here in, well, I'll say this area, this portion of Lancaster County, we, we almost have fire departments on top of each other. Okay. So, you know, within the next, depending upon the box, you know, within the next 10, 15 seconds, you've got the next two engine tanker coming right up behind you. Mm-hmm. Um, now the southern end of Lancaster County, they're more the unpopulated, so they might have 10, 15 fifteen-minute drive to their first due okay. in their first due call. So their next tanker engine could be two, three, four minutes out. Okay. But uh, yeah, you're correct. Uh, you know, two, three thousand gallon tankers, pumper tankers, and you know, combo engine can okay. do both engine and tanker. Work. Are there
0: enough? Let me ask you this: Are there enough water sources in the area where, if you guys even use in tankers or whatever, you run out, is able to draft pretty quickly? Are there streams, lakes, and stuff close by you can, you can get water from there?
2: Um, yeah, we have a couple streams in our first do. We've got a, a couple ponds as well from like the farmers. Um, they have a couple big ponds, um, and then again, uh, you have the hydrants in certain areas too that we'll we'll hook into. We'll send an engine there and. Um, hook into a tanker and fill off a, a fill off the hydrants as well.
0: Okay. Now let, let's address the thing that we've talked a little bit about. And, and one of the reasons we were very excited to talk to you about, because we we find this incredibly interesting. 70% of your volunteer fire department is made up of people from the Amish community, correct?
2: That is correct.
0: Okay. So that, that immediately elicits a bunch of questions. You know, like I said, most of us are extremely naive about the Amish culture and what they can and can't do. So mm-hmm. when we hear, uh, you know, uh, somebody from the Amish community is a firefighter, you're like, well, wait a second. They they don't drive. They don't you know they don't have this. They don't use electricity in their homes or whatever's going on. So describe yep, to correct. us. Describe to us first of all how people from the Amish community started to be volunteer firefighters for Ronk, and then and then what their role is in in how they blend in with. As they call, and as, and as I love the fact when I first spoke to you, as they call us the English, um, how how they blend in on the
2: department? Um, I'm going to say, as far as the beginning, it's it was just a community effort. Mm-hmm. Um, like you know, like like we keep saying, we're we're right in the heart and soul of the Amish community. Um, the back the backyard of the firehouse is actually a huge alfalfa field slash hay field, cornfield, <laughs> whatever whatever they plant that year. Um, so really the Amish have been, um, a part of the firehouse ever since the very beginning, um, from when the firehouse originally started. Okay. Um,
1: when, when was so that? it's, when, when did your fire department start?
2: We started, um, a brief history of the, of Ronks fire company. I'll give you real quick is the the early 1900s hundreds, we were, uh, organized. Um, and then about the 1930s we were inactive. So they disbanded the company. And then probably the, I'll say the late 1940s is when the company was reorganized and we've been going strong ever since. Okay. Very um, good. So you figure, go ahead.
0: No, I, I just said very good. That's great. Yeah. So, okay. So the, the, the back of the, the firehouse is adjacent to an Amish, an Amish field where they do a, a lot of their farming, but. As far as, as far as folks from that community coming in the, to the fire department, does that start right away? Like in the forties when you guys were starting back up?
2: Uh, I'm going to say yes. I don't know a whole lot. I I'll be honest with you. I don't really know a whole lot of the history of the Amish and the firehouse. Um, I know they've been a very, very big support of the firehouse through throughout the years. Mm -hmm. Um, And there again, it's, the, the Amish guys at the firehouse, they're multi-generation. Okay. Um, we, we've had fathers, sons, grandfathers, you know, we've had two three generations of, of the Amish community in the firehouse at one time.
0: Okay. So, so tell us about some of the things that, uh, I don't want to say obstacles, but just some of the things that you have to do differently when there are people from a community like that, who are working with you on the, that something different than what, you know, most fire departments may deal with and how they, how they handle situations
2: right um basically a lot of it has to do with the training um mm-hmm. as far as them getting to the firehouse um you will we have a couple of them with living they they live in their houses within running distance of the firehouse so they'll come running down the road um others it's usually scooters you see like the the, the two-wheel scooters that you yeah. kids will have playing they have their <laughs> their scooters all all jacked up um, with blinking lights. I mean, they'll, they'll have their neon coats on at nighttime.
0: Okay. What kind of scooters? Um, like any driven by anything
1: or just, you're saying like self-propelled?
2: Yeah, exactly. Okay. The okay. self-propelled the scooters, like, you know, your kids, I don't know if any of you guys have kids, but like your kids would have a scooter. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. just that, but much bigger, like almost bicycle style wheels.
1: Okay. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. Probably pretty they, quick. They've got, they've got lights on them and all that.
2: Oh yeah, some of, some of the guys have blinkers on the front, blinkers on the back. I mean, especially nighttime, they'll turn them on so so they can be seen coming down the road.
0: Well, don't think um, for a second I'm not going to be Googling Amish scooter the second we're done talking.
2: <laughs> and so, hey, I can get I can I can get you guys a couple out, out here if you want. I, I would that probably would love great. it. I'd love it. Okay, um, so
0: they say they get there either running Amish Amish scooters but um, maybe not their traditional horse and buggy
2: correct okay. yeah unless it, unless it be a sunday when they're coming home from church okay something like that they might they might have their wife pull into the firehouse and then they'll jump out um okay. as they're on their way to church or something like that but uh um yeah a lot of it has to do is basically the training um you know and if the fpa you know states with the facial hair and everything like that um you can't really go interior do your training do your live burns and stuff like that mm-hmm. so we try to focus a lot on the juniors and up until they get to the age of where they get married. Okay.
0: And, and, and so we, people know um, when you see an Amish gentleman with a beard, that that generally means that they're married. Correct?
2: Correct. But yes. up
0: until that point, they they could be clean shaven or whatever they choose. I, I guess, I don't know, maybe whatever they choose, but definitely I know a signifier of being married is that you have a beard.
2: Right. Right. Okay? And usually most times they are pretty well clean shaven. Mm-hmm. Um, every, you know, chins, cheeks, everything. Okay. So, um, so so how
0: does that factor in because again for the people who aren't in the fire service you know if you ever if you ever take a look at most firefighters most firefighters are either clean shaven or have maybe a mustache the reason being is that we wear masks with our with our air packs when we have to go into a fire and that mask has to make a tight seal to your face right that's why firefighters generally do not have much facial hair yep okay so You've got a married guy from the Amish community on your,
2: your department and he's got a beard. What, what happens now? Um, pretty much from there on out, we do all our training by NFPA, by the NFPA. Mm -hmm. We just do everything in house. Okay. Um, you know, we, I mean, like I said, it's, it's NFPA by the book. We do as much stuff as possible in house training. Um, and of course nowadays with the SCBAs being more pressurized and better sealed. Yeah. I've never, in my 20-some years, I've never heard of an Amish guy, even the the biggest, longest beard, thickest beard, they've never had a problem ever with a seal anymore with, with the new style packs and everything.
0: Now, let me ask you this. Lance and I were looking at some pictures. It appears, and I'm the last guy in the world who would know anything about Amish fashion, but it appears some of the guys maybe have their beards trimmed in such a way that it does allow a little bit of a better seal am i right on that or no
2: yeah i i would probably say some of them do kind of trim them a little bit okay um just because you can kind of look at some of the guys around here yeah it, it appears that they might be <laughs> like more of a straighter straight cut down towards the bottom okay um but then there's others that are just it's when it starts growing long it goes long
0: yeah Okay, so as far as interior stuff, though, like you said, you're focusing on the juniors, the guys who aren't married, who might be clean shaven, who the SCBA mask is not an issue. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. So let's go from there. So training is some things you've got to make some accommodations for that. What right. about one thing I was curious about is what about responding? You know, um, I, I I've been you know on a paid on call department, and you know we we ride around with gear in our car, and mm-hmm. and if we get a call. I either go directly to the scene or there's a, there's a station close to my home. We'd stop there and pick up that engine and we go to the scene. So in a situation like you guys are in, which is not only the fact that the Amish community doesn't drive, but also it's a rural area where things w- could be very spread out. What, what happens when, when they have to respond to something?
2: Uh, a few times, some of the, some, some, if I know we're not really that bad. Um, like my parents, they live about a mile from my house. So okay if it's in the evenings and I'm there visiting or something and we get a call, you know, of course I'm shooting down to the firehouse. Some of the guys know to look for me. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, all they know if they, if they start responding, um, they know to hear if they hear two, two taps of a horn turn around, I'm usually coming up behind them. Okay. So I'll stop, I'll stop pick them up and oh. off we go to the scene.
0: <laughs> wow. Nice.
2: Oh yeah. I, oh yeah. It's, it's been great. It's great sometimes. Right. Um, other areas I do know, Certain Amish, the Amish community, they do have certain drivers that they can, they can depend on that will come pick them up, right. take them to the firehouse. Um, yeah, a lot, like, like I said, a lot of times it's, it's scooters. Um, okay. Occasionally, maybe you might see one occasionally on a bicycle, but it's, it's more they're, they're scooting to the firehouse. Um, okay. They're
1: not, they're not, you know, scootering to the firehouse and then driving apparatus that's kind of delegated to somebody else that's driving the truck.
2: Yes, correct. Yeah. They, um, the Amish are, it's, you know, I don't want to say forbidden for them to drive, but correct. The Amish do not drive period. Okay. Um, so yeah, I mean, I've already been the driver engineer on the engine rescue and I've had a whole crew of Amish guys. I've had four or five, six Amish guys and okay. away we go. Right
0: now. Th- now I know they can't drive. What about the operation of machinery? For example, you, okay, maybe maybe uh, the guy can't drive, but does he learn how to operate the pump? You have him doing that kind of thing.
2: Yes, we okay. we go through we actually go through a, a strenuous um, a pump qualification every year. We just try to keep up with pumps um, that way, just in case something would happen to the driver slips, falls, you know, whatever. Um, one of the next the officer or one of the guys and one of the Amish guys in the back. They could jump right in and, and run the pump panel themselves. Okay. And then of course, you know, they're 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 trained in vehicle rescue, um, everything like that, machinery, things like that.
0: Yep. I was looking at I was looking on your Facebook page and you looks like you guys recently did some work on, you know, stabilization and vehicle accidents and all kinds of stuff like that. So Yeah. Um, so let me ask this. How how are they how are they as firefighters? I mean uh, one thing I read about when I was doing some research before talking to you is that they're extremely
2: hardworking people. So, oh, definitely. so I'm
0: only going to guess they're probably very good
2: firefighters. They are some of the top. I, I don't want to bust on you, you professionally, guys, <laughs> but there are sometimes I would have, I would love to have an engine crew of my Amish guys uh-huh. over a, over an engine crew of paid guys any day. Sure. That's great. Um, they are, they are the hardest working guys um that i've i've ever i've had the pleasure of knowing um we've actually gotten we've actually been called a uh, too aggressive we're just we call our, we we admit we're some little hick town fire department um but we've actually been called too aggressive because of just our guys they they get in they do the job right um cuz they 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 want to get back to their families but they're they hard working they they get the job done and and if there's nothing to do they would sooner be home and, or instead of sitting around holding the grass down. But I mean, some of our guys, if they're not doing something, they get antsy and it's just, they want to go, go, go. Right.
0: And and that's got to be nice for, for somebody like yourself, say, if you're in command of a scene or whatever, that you, you know, you're working with a group of people who are used to hard work. There's not going to be any complaining. You're going to be able to say, Hey, I need you to do this. And it's just going to get handled.
2: Exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's got to be a really good feeling. It is. It, it truly is.
0: So seventy percent of the volunteer fire department at, at Ronx Fire Company is Amish. The other thirty percent English. Everybody gets along good.
2: Yeah, yeah. We we all get along great. We're we're constantly joking with each yeah constantly joking with each other, um, busting each other's chops. You know, a typical firehouse after a call or meeting time, something uh-huh. like that.
0: Okay. But everyone, that's great. Everyone's got a good sense of humor and, mm-hmm. um, so do you ever see, and maybe is, are, are there any of the folks from the Amish community who are maybe, uh, are they officers there or do, or do they just kind of prefer to, to be firefighters?
2: Um, no, actually, uh, let's see. I'm going, I'm trying to go down our roll call now of officers. Our chief, our fire chief, he is an English guy. Our deputy chief is Amish. Our second assistant is English. Our third assistant chief is Amish. Mm-hmm. And our captain, we have two captains. Captain one is English and our captain two is Amish. Okay. so, really so really uh, We have a 50-50 split. Yeah. yeah that's great. So yeah.
0: what is, let me ask you, moving forward, what is what is the, uh, looking down the road with the Ronks Fire Company, what, what do you kind of see as the evolution of, of the uh, group? Do you, th- you think there's ever going to be a situation where, you guys will require needing full-time people or, or um, is it something where you think it'll pretty much stay volunteer?
2: Uh, it's, it's truly hard to say right now. I mean, we, we go through spurts of, we get a bunch of people. Um, then we can go for years with really having nobody coming into the firehouse. Mm-hmm. Um, and for right now, we're averaging roughly about eight guys a call. Okay. Um, but here just this past Monday night, we had three new people sign up pick up applications um you know we we experience the same thing as as every every other fire co- company yeah. in in the country um you know decline in membership yep. um you know unfortunately people get busier work gets busier um so it's what the future holds for ronx uh, maybe down the road maybe we'll do a paid on call or i i, I really can't really, really wish I could see what the future would hold for wrong. Yeah.
0: Well, it's interesting you say that because you know, the thing is, even though we talk to people from all different types of fire departments all over the country, um, everyone is facing kind of the same issues. Just like you said, it's getting harder and harder to get people to want to do this job. And, and you've been in this obviously way longer
2: than I have. What, what, from your own perspective, what, why do you think that is? Uh, I just think people's lives have gotten busier. Mm-hmm. Um, and unfortunately, I mean, me personally, I'm fortunate, um, with my work schedule. Um, I'm actually, I, I work for a small wood shop, not far from home. Mm-hmm. If I can give a sh- if I can give a shout out to Remy and Jonathan, to my, to my coworkers, there you go. Yep. Um, I'm more fortunate. My work actually allows me to leave calls daytime okay. and I can actually stay, I can actually stay on the clock. as well nice yeah yeah my boss is my boss is so supportive of of everything i do at the firehouse and everything like that so that's great I'm blessed yeah Uh, now granted i don't run every smell and bell call either i you know i try to i try to run the more major calls structure fires um entrapment calls things like that um but yeah I'm, i'm pretty fortunate there you know and that's just the thing you know businesses you know if we had more businesses that would allow their Employees leave on calls. That would be perfect. That would be awesome. Yeah. um But yeah, it just—I just think everybody's their lives are getting busier. Yeah. Families, families grow, and
0: I think also you know. just—I don't know if you agree or not—but I think also just that there's been so little emphasis on community. I think in whether it's you know because of the emergence of social media, the internet, what well, you can call it whatever you want to say it, but. Yeah, there's there's just not as much emphasis of taking care of of what you can take care of, what 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 you have close access to, you know, we we, we have we have you can in the palm of your hand, you can handle this. You know, you can hold this little device that's that's a portal to the entire world. But Mm -hmm. you still you still have to understand the fact that you live in a small community and you can you can affect change right here you know, rather right. than doing something through your smartphone. And I just, I wish there was more realization of that. And I, and I would think hopefully that would help people with a little more pride in their communities who want to do something like this.
2: So, uh, I, I totally agree with you on that part. You know, totally agree. So, so
0: maybe if we were all Amish,
2: we'd want to be in the fire service. Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, we definitely, definitely. I mean, we're, we're, we're to the point now where we're encouraging um, our members if they, if they have son, if they have, I'll even say women, we have a couple of women in our firehouse too, mm-hmm. non-Amish, they're yep. English. Um, but, you know, we're, we're encouraging our Amish guys. Hey, if they've got sons that are the 14, 15, we have a, we have a 16 year old policy, okay you know, 16 years old, then you're allowed to join. But you know, if you're 14, 15 years old, come out, start watching our trainings. Sure. Yeah. Um, well, that, that's similar know,
0: to like, we've talked to a couple people. In fact, Lance himself was part of what was called the Explorer program. it is. his, particular fire department, which is, you know, through the boy scouts. And it's basically set, you know, while what you're talking about is not like as, as official as that, but it's the same kind of thing. Get around it, observe it, soak it up, see what it's about and see if it's something you want to be part of.
2: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, you know, um, that's, that's one thing we're trying to encourage the guys to do is just bring their kids out, you know, start watching what they can do, what, what we do. And, um, hopefully within the next year to two years, will there'll be coming in for applications.
1: Okay. Now about, about your department, how many calls are you responding to annually typically? And, and what, what types of calls have gone through some of your Facebook? And it seems that there's, that you're responding to a lot of car accidents, um, things of that nature. So what, I guess, give us a makeup of, of what you're, what you're seeing now.
2: Okay. Um, we average probably 150 to 175 calls. Um, they, you know, there again, they range from structure fires to entrapments, um, brush fires, vehicle fires, you know, the, the typical run of the mill call that pretty much every other firehouse, um, sees, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, we also, um, some of the more oddball calls that, that we run into with being out here in the Amish community is, um, we've had cows in manure pits, you know, they're, they're, <laughs> they're, they're the more public service calls that we go out on from time <laughs> yeah. to time you know, cows, manure pits, horses, in manure pits. And they're, um, and they're
1: stuck and that's, you have to try and get them out. Yep. Pretty much. Okay. <laughs> pretty much. How does, how yeah, does that yeah, work? The, explain to us how the, to get a cow out of a manure pit?
2: <laughs> um, usually we try to get the, the farm. Most, most of the manure pits are underground okay. at the farm at the farms and they, they pump them out, put them in their spreading, spreader units and then they go out to the fields. Um, Unfortunately, sometimes the the pits aren't covered very well and cows in the evenings or or at nighttime will, you know, come across an open hole and down they go. Mm -hmm. Um, Luckily enough, most times the pits aren't very, very deep. So the cow is able to stand or at least keep keep its head above the manure. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we go out, you know, PETA would probably hate us. The, the you know you guys you guys understand PETA but yes they would probably they would probably hate us if they seen what we do to get the cows out and it's it's the quickest it's the easiest the safest method to well, do it well it's describe probably life, it.
1: life or death for that right? I don't think we have any usually, PETA listeners let's hear it
2: <laughs> <laughs> well normally what we do is we'll we'll try send if we can do it we'll send one or two guys down Oof. and most times we'll send a get a or or we'll try to last usually sometimes it's the farmer itself will go in the pit too okay um but It's usually just a a chain and choker around the neck with a a fork truck or a petty bone, whatever the, the Amish neighbors have. And it's around the neck and up through the hole as quick as we can do it. Push and pull. Yeah. Without putting too much stress on the cow or horse. Well,
0: if there's any animal rights activists out there, who are going to get upset about this. The other option is you leave the cow in the manure, right?
2: (laughs) Exactly. So
0: it's not like it's, I'm sure you guys have thought of a, a thousand different ways to do it. And if that's the best way to get them out, that's how you get them out.
2: Yeah, it is. It's, you know, it's the safest way. It's you know, like I said, it's the quickest, right. Um, you know, we, we've, I know, depending upon the pit and everything we've, we've tried to, to put straps and, and just lift them up carefully through the belt with the belly and stuff like that too. Yeah. yeah. Um, but we've done duck rescues um, <laughs> uh, up, up around our one shopping center, they've got creeks and a couple little creeks and ponds. And, yeah. You know, the mother duck walks across a storm drain and down goes the baby. So. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah,
0: yeah. We've had, we've actually had that in the, in the township. <laughs> we've, we've had that too. I got sent a picture about a year ago of somebody holding a five gallon bucket with a bunch of ducklings in it that they had, <laughs> that they had rescued.
2: So. Exa- that's us. Yeah, That's yep. exactly us. And that's, that's great. That's
0: great. So now do you guys do, you do medical calls or no?
2: The only time we go out on medical calls, if the ambulance will uh, call us for assistance for okay. lifting or gotcha. for, or for force monitoring. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, so you have
1: a, you have a private ambulance. How, how are you, how is your department funded?
2: Uh, we do a lot. Luckily enough, our township does a lot of our funding for us. Um, we get a quarterly allowance from our township. Um, and then of course we we're, we're constantly looking for whatever grants are out there state okay. grants federal grants mm-hmm. um, forestry grants um, we we've we've done a fundraiser in the past years it was actually a chicken corn soup supper and bake sale mm-hmm. um, which uh, we've that, that's been going on for oh 50 60 70 years maybe wow um, unfortunately with covid-19 it shut us down in in 2019 yeah um and then fortunately for us, luckily enough, I'm actually gonna say twenty nineteen was probably the last year we'll we'll really ever do a I'll say a chicken corn soup fundraiser. Um we just we've got some really good people who can who know finances really well. Um, you know, we're we're looking at different we look at different CDs in our banks and um so we do uh, we do we still have a fund drive we send out every year, uh, yeah. a yearly fund drive. Um but that's, uh, I'm going to say it's pretty much how, how we, we raise our money right now. Um, okay. if we see a piece of equipment, if we think we have the funds, we'll, we'll go for it. If not, it can wait yeah. until some funds come available to us.
1: Is there anything right now that you need as a department that you're looking to purchase?
2: Uh, I'll be honest with you right now. We just, we just end up, we just purchased, um a brand new cutter and spreaders and some attachments to Amkis. Okay. We got, we got the new, uh, the new battery powered with the, the, with the new DeWalt's, the DeWalt series 60 batteries. Um, so we, we actually had to figure out how we are going to pay for that material. And some of it's going to come out of our, our general fund and some will come out of our, what we call a relief fund. Yeah. Um, you know, what. go ahead. I'm sorry. As far as like, as far as like equipment we need right now, it's, I think we're, we're in really good shape as okay. far as equipment. Good. What,
0: what yeah. kind of, what kind of, uh, equipment, unless, uh, you said it and I, I'm, I'm sorry I didn't hear it, but what kind of older equipment are you replacing placing with the new cutters and spreaders?
2: Um, right. Well, our one, what what I call our squad two, it's sort of a mini pumper rescue fire pleats, um, our squad, sorry, I think I said squad two, it's our squad one. Mm-hmm. Um, We have an older Hurst system on that one. Um, It's got a a combi tool, a small small pair of rams on that. Um, We're actually going to be getting rid of that system. We're going to be moving a battery-powered Hurst combi tool over onto that, over onto our squad, and then the new battery-powered um, cutter and spreader and everything will go on our heavy rescue. Gotcha.
0: Cause at the department I'm at, we've got the battery powered Hearst and and they replaced some real, we just actually, they just hauled out some of the old original Hearst equipment they had that Mm. they're going to be auctioning or so. I don't know what they're going to do with it, but boy, you pick up some of that old stuff and you, all you think of is how the heck did they get anything done with this? I I can barely pick this up. Exactly. But so the new stuff is so much more efficient, but so let, let's wrap this up and say, uh, let, let's ask you, Brian Clark, where do you see your fire career heading down? Uh, how much longer are you going to do this?
2: I'm hoping to do it as long as I possibly can. Okay. Um, I'm, I'll am be 47 here in August. Um, so I, I see myself as I still have a good, long, healthy career in the firehouse as good. long as I, I stay healthy myself. Yep. Um, and if, if, the, if the need comes down or the time comes down to where – I can't do anything interior or anything like that you know maybe the option is fire police Mm -hmm. um, our traffic our traffic guys um you know hopefully i can have a long healthy career yet in the the volunteer service good good well listen we appreciate your
0: time brian and and thank you so much for joining us on station 34 we're looking very forward to talking to you like i said our emphasis is we love talking to people from different kinds of fire departments all over the country and this was a great discussion you know, kind of getting people, giving people so, uh, a view of, of, again, a fire department that works in a rural area. And the fact that your makeup is 70 percent Amish, that that's certainly something that's very unique. And I love the fact that it that it works so well for you guys.
2: Yeah. So. Yeah.
0: So, Brian, thank you very much. And uh, we
2: appreciate your time. And please
0: stay safe.
2: All right. Hey, David, can I give one more shout out? You bet, yes, sir. Hey, Matt Pfeiffer. Captain 632. He's one of our he's a of one of my best friends at a neighboring firehouse. I okay. just want to give him him a shout out as well. Good. Well let it so, tell him
0: to listen and he'll hear his name on there.
2: I'll definitely do it. David Lance, hey, appreciate the call, guys, and uh you guys stay safe as well. Thank, Thank you, so Brian. Much. All right. Thanks. Yep. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
0: Well, there you go, Lance. Ronks Fire Company in Ronks, cool. Pennsylvania. I love the fact that they're just, you know, it's it's just. It's a situation where it's it's not just, hey, we're unique because we've gotten Amish guys to join. our it, It's a community that wants to serve the whole thing, and, and it's, that's what it's stuff. made up of. And uh, what a great discussion. Very interesting stuff. So, folks, thanks so much for listening in. This has been Episode 9 of the Station 34 Podcast. I'm David Van Sluten. i Lance
1: Corhorn.
0: And uh, check back every Friday. We'll have new, new episodes. And uh, take care and stay safe.